And then I had Evo at 11. That was six. I did exactly 100 episodes of a show called Evo at 11 to make sure I still have my chops. And then on episode 100, I came on. This was the greatest thing ever. My co-host didn't know. Episode 11, the intro music plays. And it threw to me because I was in a throat. So I said, all right, 100 episodes. That was fun. End. And I killed the show. So awesome. <laughs> co-hosts are like, what are you talking about? There was that one. Podcast Junkies, episode 79. Welcome, one and all, to the Podcast Junkies show. If you're new, then uh, we speak to fantastic podcasters here, and we try to round them up from all corners of the podcasting globe, whether their show is about uh, sports, gaming, uh, entrepreneurialism, I think that's the word, storytelling, uh, everything. And as long as they're they have compelling stories to tell about their podcasting journey, then we want them on the show. And in case you missed it last week, we had a fantastic one, a doozy, if you will, with Danny Pena, who's been podcasting uh, this week, I think would be his 11-year anniversary. And he's actually, as we speak, wrapping up his keynote speech at PodFest, you, PodFest in uh, Florida. So hoping all went well with that. That was a fantastic conversation. So many stories. We only got to touch the tip of the iceberg with his experiences, and it involves Bill Gates. Um, so you might want to check that out, the last episode. This week is a one-two punch, if you will, because the combined podcasting experience between last week's guest and this week's guest is just ridiculous. Uh, I'm talking about Evo Terra, and uh, Evo has been podcasting also for over 10, 11 years, uh, I lost count, but it's somewhere in the interview. <laughs> he, he's just a really interesting guy. Uh, I've se- seen him on the periphery. I've seen him talk at a conference. And we ran into each other on a Blab, which is an online conferencing tool, if you don't know. And we were I was talking to podcasters, and I had Rob Greenlee on there, who I've had on before, Danny Pena from last week. And Evo jumped on. And it, at, then before you knew it, I was just in the presence of 35 years of podcasting experience on one screen, which was amazing. And I uh, reached out after the call, and Evo, who is currently traveling with his wife, Sheila, uh, agreed to come on. So we had to make the timing work, and they're currently in Bangkok. So I was getting caught up on the podcast. It's so much fun. It's called Opportunistic, Tra- The Opportunistic Traveler. And they're all short segments, five to ten minutes. Uh, in the beginning, it, it documents their travels um, strictly uh, across the globe. And all they're doing is staying in um, apartments or houses that people make available to folks who want to do house sitting. So just the the... The things that they get into are are funny, interesting. Some of them are serious. They cover some topics that uh, that are prevalent in the tourist industry about the treatment of animals, uh, aka elef- elephants, for example. Um, so they mix in a, just a whole wide variety of experiences. There, I do not have the police chasing me. But uh, I'm recording today in my office, and I've got the windows open, so that's why you hear that. And I'm not going to re-edit it, so I want you to feel like you're sitting here with me. So uh, listen to this fantastic episode, and stay tuned 
at the end of the episode for the retention hashtag and also for information about a uh, promo that uh, our new sponsor of the show is providing, Fancy Hands. Uh, I'm a proud, proud, common, recurring, eager (laughs) user of Fancy Hands. If you don't know what it is, it's sort of an online concierge service. Um, Depending on the plan you get, you get a set number of tasks, which is something that anyone can do online or with a phone call um, in, in about 20 minutes. I've been using it for about three or four years, and I reached out, and uh, they were kind enough to give me some uh, promo codes. So I'll go into details at the end of the episode about how you can get one, and uh, without further ado, live, well, not live, sorry, recorded from Bangkok, Ivotera. Ivotera, where in the world are you? So I can... Uh, because I, I can't give you obviously the, the the handshake in person, I'll give you the virtual handshake across many many oceans. Uh, and to thank you for coming on to podcast junkies. Right, many many oceans is exactly it. I'm exactly on the other side of the world from you, like literally on the other side of the world from you. Bangkok, Thailand is where I find myself making my home these days. How's the weather? <sighs> unseasonably cool it's been amazingly great you know that we're in the tropics and it's always hot here but we've had these really strange cool waves come through you know hooray global climate change i guess um but it's really and it's terrible to say but it's lowered our temperature in a big way uh, it's, it's been nice to walk around in jeans and a long sleeve shirt i've not been drenching sweat of course the party's almost over right you know winter here it gets down to like 70 Mm. at the lowest you know overnight we can get into the 60s you know but uh, it's it's going to be back in the 90s with 100 percent humidity you know probably by saturday before you had arrived you've been there a couple of weeks now is that right yeah yeah, yeah. we've well, been about, about about a month full time yeah. now before you had arrived there um you had not stepped foot in that country right well, this was the, the last year we we showed up in Bangkok. Um, oh, and, that's right. that's, yeah, yeah, we showed up in 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 um, not Bangkok, but Thailand itself uh, at the end of May, which is what they call the beginning of the rainy season. And we promptly and we were in the rainiest province, the place that gets more rain than anywhere else in the country. And we said, you know what we should do? We should stay here for three months. In the middle of the rainiest, hottest part of the year, it was rainy and hot. I we were recently, uh, not recently, uh, last, not this past New Year's, the one before in Kauai, in Hawaii, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but apparently they said there's a part in the center of the island which, if I heard them correctly, said it's the rainiest place in the entire world. I mean, it's nonstop, oh, nonstop, and I imagine it's similar to what you were experiencing there, but it yeah. just rains and then it becomes a normal part of life like you just because yeah. you know it rains doesn't mean your day is shot it just means like okay yeah. just gotta stop doing what you gotta do outside for a couple of minutes or a couple of hours yeah the people in thailand are are rather resourceful and, and adaptive type people you know the the motor scooter is the primary means of, of transportation and you know I, I used to ride a motorcycle when i was a kid and when it rains you don't get on your bike you know that's just that's just dumb you know you're gonna wind up crashing no they don't they, you can't stop because it rains literally for weeks on end it just doesn't stop raining so they just put on giant plastic bags and go about their business no, the, no, nothing stops the only thing that happens is people that are out on the streets uncovered slide underneath awnings 
everybody carries a little plastic in their pocket. They put the thing back on. They go right back out and just do their business. Surprise. Life goes on. Yeah, exactly. So for listeners who don't know who you are and wondering why we just jumped into a conversation about the rainy season in Vegas. Well, there's always the best thing to talk about on a podcast, right? Um, you're now the host of the Opportunist, Opportunistic Traveler with, the, with, the, uh, with your wife, Sheila. Yep. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and we, can, we can get later into the conversation about the, uh, the craziness of deciding to pack it all up and travel the world with your wife of 27, 28 years. Is that about right? God, <laughs> some, I don't know. Kind of pushing three decades, no doubt. Yeah. Which I'm sure leaves a lot of listeners scratching their heads. But uh, <laughs> you are definitely an old school uh, podcaster. And, and actually last night I was talking to Danny Pena. So back to back, it's on. just fascinating to get some uh, insights and, and just context about this thing that people are jumping into now with both feet and thinking like it's the, the craziest thing since sliced bread. And, <laughs> you know, back when you were doing it now, um, I think when we were on the phone with Rob Greenlee, yourself and mm-hmm. Danny, I, yeah. I asked all three of you like, okay, who's got the, uh, who's got the OG card for <laughs> first, first yeah. podcast? I believe you won. Yeah, out of that out of that group, I did. You know, according to the the historical documents that we have, and they're all kind of you know loose from from back in the day. Uh, according to Podcast Alley, which was a precursor to obviously iTunes, I'm not sure Podcast Alley is still around anymore, but it was an index of the people who were podcasting. According to Podcast Alley, I'm podcaster number forty four zero, wow. so thirty nine thirty nine podcasts before me. Before the thing I was doing at the time uh, showed up there, yeah, October fourteenth, two thousand and four, was the first episode of our podcast that that dropped. But I had been doing. We didn't call it podcasting because we didn't have uh, an enclosure tag to making things work, but we had been producing an internet radio show that we were distributing to some radio stations. Um, every week and uh, we had an RSS feed. So we, we had all of the pieces there for what, what became podcasting, which had to stitch together with a little enclosure tag. Uh, but we've been doing that since 2002, producing this weekly show and running a blog and putting a link to the audio file people could listen to if they wanted to. So, you know, and, and I know we're not the only people, my partner and I at the time, we're not the only ones doing that, but you know, it was when, when, Either Dave Weiner or Adam Curry, whichever one you want to believe, had the genius to say, hey, we should have a little special tag inside of there. We all said, well, that's easy. And uh, we were podcasting. So it kind of cheated. But nonetheless, here we are. But anyone who starts doing that at that time um, and, you know, you'd call them an early adopter, um, there's something inside of you and there's there's a, a, a tech geek, nerd, aficionado, whatever, whatever word you want to use. Yeah. That, that drew you to that community at the time. So as that was happening, as you're getting involved in the scene, um, were you always drawn to tech or what was it that attracted you to like this next shiny thing that everyone thought was going to be hot? Yeah. So as, as by way of trade, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an early adopter. If there's one thing that I do, I, I want to live out there on the bleeding edge. When I see something that's new and interesting, I, I, I jump on it. Uh, at the time, I was working, I'm, not, I'm by no means a developer, but I was working in the IT. So I have that, my, my, my diploma says I have a degree in computer information sciences, but I, uh, whatever. Nonetheless, I kind of work in between that one. So yeah, we, I had hacked together lots of things, and it, it, it made a lot of sense. But you know, when, when we heard about this thing called podcast, Casting, 
from what I looked at it is like, oh, here's a chance to finally talk to the other people that are doing what it is that we're doing. Because internet radio was and still is kind of a lonely game. You just don't know what else is on there. You get in your car, you turn the radio on, like the thing with the dial that goes across it, and you can hear all of that stuff coming out there, but you can't talk back to those people. And internet radio, you know, finding other internet radio broadcasters, internet radio hosts was, was a nightmare. It was, it, you just couldn't really do it. So suddenly there's this podcasting thing, like, oh, hey, we're all in. It's easy to subscribe and listen to it. I don't have to wait for a certain time. Yeah, yeah. So you know, back in when I first started, I listened to everything, literally. Every single podcast that was coming out every single week, I listened to it. I had an hour and a half commute one way every day back in the day. And so I had plenty. If I had three hours a day, I could literally consume everything and still listen to music. <laughs> it didn't take long before that was over. You know, by around the first part of 2005, there was no more music listening. It was just listening to podcasts nonstop. But that's okay because we had the CC Chapmans of the world and, and the, the Brian Ibbots of the world. These guys were doing music shows. So I could listen to my music on podcast or I could listen to this random weird stuff like, you know, Dan Class's The Bitterest Pill where he just you know, started out being an angry guy and then he wound up just being a, a failed comedian and listening to stories about Hudson growing up, crying many Hudson's in a adult now. It's just crazy, you know, all of this stuff that's happened. And just met friends along the way. It became, it was truly a community at the time. Everybody listened to everybody. There were only a couple of assholes, you can decide to bleep that out if you want to, um, that were that were on the, uh, that are on the airplane. We stopped listening to them, you know, because nobody likes those people. Um, and yeah, that it, it was it was fun. It was a part to be part of the, the, the base of something and really push it forward. And it's, it was a blast. I loved it. You talked about um, the truly a community and, and the fact that you, you know, you tried to stay away from the assholes. And <laughs> so I'm wondering, is that a function of like your, your bullshit meter, like really being yeah. on high and you can tell and, and have you always been like that? Yeah, I've got a really, really well developed sense of you know people who are shysters uh, and, and and people who are just you know jerks are easy to figure out. You know that that's easy, and that's what we had back in the in the early days. You know there were some that were just abrasive assholes who'd listened to way too much Howard Stern and thought that's that's the personality I need to um, portray. I mean, I amped my asshole characteristics up on our show. That became who I was. I'd be the one poking, you know, but it was it's always to get a laugh, and it wasn't always you know. Sometimes I got a little mean nature. But typically they were they were pretty funny and people enjoyed them. Um, but there were other people who were just came on just simply to be jerks. I mean, like early trolls, you know, that, that didn't know what to do with their actual time. It, it wasn't until much later that some of the other, you know, the uh, hey, you know, make money fast type people showed up on the scene. It didn't take long before they they showed up. But, you know, they you can smell them a mile away. I think. But they show up at every scene, don't they, Evo? They yeah, show- they certainly do. So it's it's nothing new. I know I know a lot of pod- veteran podcasters. Uh, they cringe when they hear the word marketer or they hear the word entrepreneur or they hear a new yeah. podcast with uh, Dashpreneur or Dash on Fire and <laughs> they just freak out. But it, it's a bit of like the hey, you kids get off my lawn, I think, <laughs> railing against it. It's, it's going to happen. And the first time yeah. someone tried to sell a T-shirt on the Internet, people flipped out, you know. Oh, yeah. So I think it's just with any new techno the first time, you know, there was an infomercial on TV. People, I'm sure, flipped out. So yeah. it's just the well, nature. That's the thing. There's no way to keep a medium pure, and that's just dumb to begin with, right? There's there's plenty of room on the internet because it's literally unlimited. It's literally unlimited by definition. You know, it's not going to we're not going to fill up the internet anytime real soon. <clears throat> so it 
there's room for everything and everywhere, and you can't keep medium pure. When I first got into podcasting, you know, other than the, the early adopters uh, that, that started when we were listening to everybody, we immediately started splintering off. You know, I mentioned the music podcasters; uh, they were happening. There were the interview podcasters that 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 came on. Our special niche: we were we were into science fiction. We were sci-fi podcast. We were doing a, a radio show that turned to a podcast you know, every week, and we were interviewing science fiction authors. And there was a whole bunch of other science fiction-y stuff that happened, so we sort of were at the beginning of that movement and, and really focusing in that niche. But there was all, I mean, there were real estate guys early on that were talking about you know, how, to, how to sell better house stuff. Awesome. You can, you can totally do that. Uh, and yeah, we got on to here's, here's how to make money selling whatever the hell it is that you want to. And that's fine. You see that. I mean, it's Periscope these days is dominated the, the new live streaming thing. You know, every Periscope user that's got more than two thousand people is telling people how to make money and get with people on Periscope. So that's okay. You know, there are other niches that are happening. It's it happens that the money makers will be there. The marketers. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a marketer. It's how I've made the most of my income for the last twenty years doing internet based marketing. I can I, I can't not do it. But you know, it's it's up to you what to, what you want to listen to, which which is the the great thing. What's interesting to see is uh, when you look at people's um, profile, like on Twitter, for example, or, or LinkedIn, <laughs> and it's amazing how many people have these just crazy titles of like strategist and you know CEO of their company, and and you know, and you can tell if you've been doing it a long time who are the people who are genuine, who've been serious about it, and who you've seen speak on stage, yeah. and then just just random people like. Like, how are you a strategist? Like, how are you like a, a guru? Like, I don't understand. But you could put literally put anything you want in that freaking title. It doesn't matter. So I guess, you know, buyer beware. Yeah, anybody can hang their shingle and look like whatever they want to look like. So definitely buyer beware. Check out somebody's resources and then find out, do I really need an expert I mean, to tell me something? Or should I just, what I tend to do is just jump in and play with it and see if it's for me before I say, how can I make money at this thing? I mean, uh, whatever. Uh, however you want to do it, man. Have fun. So part of what's uh, what you've done with the so you have you how many how many podcasts have you produced now counting the opportunistic travelers? Oh my goodness! Well, let's see. Um, one, two. We started out. We had one that quickly became three. Then there was. Then I did a fourth one, my cult cast, because people have always told me I should start a religion. So I started a podcast. Um, so I did four, and then I had another one called Found Things. That's five, and then I had Evo at Eleven. That was six. I did exactly one hundred episodes of a show called Evo at Eleven to make sure I still have my chops. And then on episode one hundred, I came on. This was the greatest thing. My co-host didn't know. Episode 11, the intro music plays. And it threw to me because I was in a throw. So I said, all right, 100 episodes. That was fun. End. And I killed the show. So awesome. <laughs> co-hosts are like, what are you talking about? There was that one. Uh, and then the new one now. So I guess it's seven that, I've, that I have either been a co-host of or be the, the, the primary user on. But then I also, you know, a few, almost a thousand uh, that I still manage on patiobooks.com, your know, free serialized audiobook and podcast form. Uh, one of those is one of those books is mine, but um, the other ones, I mean, I, I run patiobooks.com, so I enable all of those things actually to happen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, it's either seven or a thousand. <laughs> and you also invented the, the term patiobooks. I did. Yeah, I came up with that. You know, very, very clever. Uh, what's the, we call this thing that mixes podcasting and audiobooks. How about audiobooks? I think that was the exact conversation. <laughs> so talk to me about the story of how um, the how that conversation started and, and how it en eventually ended up to what it's looking like now. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating story. You know, so um, again, October 2004, let's, let's take our science fiction show where we're talking to authors every week and let's make that a podcast. And so we did it and it worked out and I went, huh, this is easy. I'd made a lot of friends from these, in, these authors we had been talking to. I mean, you've done several interviews. You know how people, you just kind of develop a relationship with them, right? So I contacted all of the, well, not all, but of, uh, many of the people that I really connected with and said, guys, there's something here with this podcasting thing. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but most of the people we were talking to were what I call underpublished authors. Um, and this was before the Kindle. There was no mm. Kindle. Uh, ebooks were uh, terribly expensive and a joke. There was no self-publishing. Audiobooks cost 80 bucks and they were delivered on little silver plastic discs. I think they were called CDs. Um, you know, that, that, that's all we had. So I turned to them, I said, guys, this is a medium you could use. I don't exactly know how, but I know you can use podcasting. And it didn't take long before one of those guys, uh, a guy named T. Morris, uh, author of a book called Moravia at the time, and now he's gone off to publish lots of different things, very successful. Um, he contacted me and said, I think I'm going to take my book, Moravi, and narrate it myself with my microphone. He, he was an actor by trade. Um, and I think I'm just going to release it one chapter at a week, like a podcast, because in July of 2005, the sequel is coming out. And so if I time it just right, the last episode will drop in a podcast by the time my first one comes out. And I said, that's brilliant. Do it. And he said, yeah, I don't know how. Can you help? And so I said, sure, I'll, I'll run that for you. So we, you know, I don't know. And like, I hung up the phone with him. Within the next two days, I got three other phone calls. Uh, one was from Scott Sigler, who's probably the best known um, podcast to audiobook author that's out there. Didn't know him from Adam. Scott calls me up and says uh, he, he knew about our radio show. And he said, um, hey, I want to be on your show, and I'm going to start podcasting my book. It's going to be the first ever. And I said, no, it's not. It's not going to be the first ever because i got another one that's happening right now. I said, I'm going to get 5,000 listeners. I said, you're not going to get 5,000. There's not 5,000 people listening to podcasts, That's you funny. moron. Now he's got 500,000 you know, people or so that listen to him every single week. Uh, and, and a couple of other guys who were in the process of doing it as well. So I said, there's something here. Clearly, there's something here. I need to do that one. So that's when I decided to buy the domain, patiobooks.com, and start working on the code base to, to handle these things together. I called up Libsyn, my buddies over there, and said, hey, guys, I need to host these things. They're, we're giving away for free. Would you, would you help me out? And they said, well, yeah, we will because you're a great guy. You said nice things about us in podcasting for dummies. How many books do you think you'll eventually – how many shows do you think I have? I said, ah, you know, maybe we'll ultimately have 30. Maybe we'll ultimately have 30 of these things. And now we've got almost 750. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just crazy how you underestimate these things, you know. And now uh, – see, I just did the stats for last month. 2.1 million episodes of patiobooks.com content was downloaded last month. 2.1 million episodes. That's a, that's a crazy amount of free audiobooks delivered in podcast form. It's, it's awesome. So what, so the model, is there a premium, uh, a freemium version as well, or is, is just all free all, content? All free. I mean, so it's a, it's a free version. People can, if they wish, and occasionally do, uh, support the individual authors. We've got a, you know, a tip jar on every single book's page. Each book is its own individual feed. So if you subscribe, you know, you won't get a new episode every week. You subscribe and you get all 27 episodes, if you will, of an audiobook, And they're all available right now. Download them once, download them one at a time. It's up 
to you, however you want to consume them in your feed. Uh, and then when you're done, you go back to that book's page on patiobooks.com if, if you would like, and I hope that you do, and you hit the tip jar. And we pass 75% of that tip along to the author. We keep 25% to keep the, keep the servers humming because, as you might imagine, uh, our server costs are non-trivial now that we have that many downloads and yeah. that many books we have to host. And it's just, uh, just kind of a pain in the butt to manage. But it's pretty, it's pretty minimal from the work-wise, so we can definitely get by on a, on, on a handful of tips. And then we also we, – uh, we have a sister company that we've been working with for a while called Scribble, S-C-R-I-B-L, one – B no E because you have to spell things funny in the internet, right? Scribble, one one B no E. Uh, Scribble is actually monetizing content now, so the same stuff that lives free on PatioBooks.com in many cases, Scribble will be able to actually push out to paid channels, or sometimes it's a modified version because of Creative Commons licensing, whatever. But they push out through paid channels, and so free content and paid content live hand-in-hand, hand, and authors make a few bucks from donations and you know hundreds, if not more, on, on, the, on the downloads from audiobook stuff. So they, they work nicely together. So do you, do you find uh, a lot of... Uh, you mentioned one of the guys who was starting it had a book already, but do you find first-time authors using it as a way to, to get a, another platform for their existing, existing book? That was primarily the reason most of our early authors use it, and still quite a lot of them do today. Very, very first-time authors come along and say, okay, I've written this thing. Now what do I do with it? You know, in 2005, now what do I do with it was you had three options. You had uh, try and sell it to a publisher. Um, or, or, or use a what they, we call vanity press back in the day where you could actually pay a publisher to publish your work. Don't ever do that. <laughs> um, or you could you know, put it in a drawer. Those are really your three options. You really couldn't do anything with it. You know, today, if you write a book like like Nano Rimer, you may have heard of Nano It's National Novel Writing Month in November, oh, yeah, yeah, and, I, right. and I and I hate Nano I really, really, really hate Nano So I'm going to get that out of there. Away, people are going to go what. And the reason I hate NaNoWriMo is uh, so you, to, you take the month of November to you write a novel. You just jam it out as fast as you can. you got to get to 50,000 words by the end of November. Great. Okay, so you've written your book. On December the 15th, I will usually get five to ten submissions of new audiobooks made from the book that was written in November. Listen, people, you might be able to write 50,000 words in 30 days, but you cannot edit you're not – I promise you, you're not republication. There is no way that book is ready for publication. There is simply no way. So we have a lot – so that people do. I mean, you, now today, you can actually write a book, and, yeah. and tonight, tonight, the day after you finish it, you can have it published on Amazon. For better or for worse, most of the time worse, um, you can do that. And so it's easy to do that now. So we're seeing less submissions than we used to. You know, it used to be like, oh my God, you're the only game in town where I can get my book out to people. So yeah, I'll go through the pain and energy and effort to record an audio book out of the words that I slaved out over a computer for. Now I'll slave over and salivate over a microphone to get that done. We're seeing less of those. We still put new books up, one or two a month. Um, but we used to do a dozen or so. It was in, in, in the early heydays. It was pretty. It was, it was it was quite quite busy back in the day. So now you have p- folks going to audiobooks.com, Audible. I guess that's for more um, well-known uh, or published authors. Well, I mean, you can use ACX, which is Audible Creators Exchange, you know, and you can go there and you can find narrators if you're not a narrator, or if you're if you think you're good enough, you can do that and you can sell the book. <clears throat> but you don't have to be. It, when when they first launched that, you you had to be well known. You had to have a published book before they would take you. But now they'll now they'll take now they'll take anyone, and so uh, that's. 
that's a good thing I see because it now allows people who are who want to go through the time, energy, and effort to do it to, uh, to 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 do it as well. But there are lots of platforms that you can now uh, you create your own book upload it, uh, and sell it. And like I mentioned, Scribble before, we just partnered up with them. It's pretty tight now. People can upload their files directly to Scribble. Scribble will then shoot them off to Audible, audiobooks, and a dozen other audiobook places as well, and automatically push them over to podiobooks.com so that the free one can go out to be, you know, get the marketing churn. I mean, you're a podcaster, you know how important it is having that free content available is uh, all the time. So that's helping to get people introduced to you and who you are. And then you've got places where the product's available for sale, which is a model that's worked for a very long time. And the fascinating part that we can't continue to forget about is the fact that you're managing all this while you're sitting yeah. in, in your house at the, at the house you're staying at in Bangkok. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, it's a, it's very much a distributed model. You know, when we first put the code base together for it in '05, um, the developer uh, Chris Miller, great friend of mine, uh, he was in where was he at? Cleveland, the mistake on the lake is where is where he lived, and I was living in Arizona at the time. We didn't meet for four years. Four years went by before he and I actually met each other in, in person uh, for the first time ever. And now I've got a couple of developers, uh, Tim White, who's based out of Colorado, uh, and Brant Steen out of Philadelphia. I've never met Brant. I met Tim once. I stayed at his house. I crashed over one night when I was in town for something. Uh, but it's, it's a total distributed team. I've got people that, that work on it who are in – one's in Quebec One's in L.A., so you know we're all over, and um, we just kind of get the stuff done necessary. You know, we don't we don't have an office to do anything, so you can't. You can call. I eventually pick up my cell phone, maybe, um, <laughs> but it's all emails and Slack, and you know we just we just get the things done. It's very very minimal. You know, it, it, we're not trying to do everything. We we push most of the work onto our content providers, uh, and we just make sure the tech works as as good as we can make it work without investing full-time resources into it slack's awesome i i, I well, rave about rave. it i'm like on four different groups one for my company and a couple of others that's amazing have, have you listened to the slack podcast i i every once in a while i'm reminded of how awesome it is because people oh. keep telling me and i'm like okay put it in there and then it just disappears down my my list so, i heard it's let, really let good. me tell you it's it's dangerous though because how do I say this to your listeners without pissing them all off? It'll show you how terrible your show is. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is so wonderful. It is amazingly great. High, high, high yeah, production. They spend hours, probably a good 20 to 40 hours a week putting that thing together. It's crazy. Um, yeah. And you go, shit, I want my show to sound that <laughs> Well, it's, it's one of two things, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to either push you to say, one day I'm going to aspire to yeah. have a show like that. Or you yeah. just throw in the towel and be like, forget it. I'm not podcasting anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what it can do. <laughs> so obviously uh, I would I would tend to think that some people call you brash, outspoken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those, of, those are good words. type of person that speaks your mind. I've seen you speak as well. Um, I've heard you on the podcast and, uh, you know, obviously – seeing the way you engage with folks have you always been like this yeah yeah i'm pretty much what you you know i i i don't play poker and the reason i don't play poker is i can't i, I don't have a poker face my 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 wife loves to go to the conferences that i speak at you know i used to speak at a lot of science fiction conferences 
Um, and I was like the anti-fan when it was in the sci-fi world, right? Because, I mean, yeah, I can, I can shoot Star Wars quotes at you all day long, right? But uh, I've never read Deadpool, and I have no idea what this thing is about. But I'm going to go check it out anyhow. So, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm in it, but I'm not, like, I'm not a fan. I, 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 I'm by no means a fanatic. There are certain things, there are certain shows I'm, a, I'm very much a fan of, but by and large, the genre is not so much. So I go to these science fiction conferences, which was a great promotional material for us, and I guest of honor at various places and around. And when you do that, they sit you on these panels. You have to be on a panel. You have to do presentations. You know, and I'm great. I, I love to get up on stage and, and talk to people, you know, but occasionally I'm on a panel. I'll be in a panel. And my wife loves nothing more than when I'm put on these panels, whether it's science fiction conventions or like I got a travel and tourism conference coming up in Bangkok later this month. And she'll do the exact same thing. She sits right in the very, very front row and just watches my face for when some stupid question comes from the audience or some stupid answer from one of my panelists goes on there. You can just see it on my face. I just, I just have this look of like, seriously, we're covering this again. And I, and I can't not do it. It's so, so I've watched video. She's taking video of me doing it. I go, oh shit, I'm doing it again. Everybody thinks I'm an asshole <laughs> probably because I am, but you know, um, yeah, no, I, I really, I really don't have a poker face. So I, I say what's on my mind and I don't, but this, at the same time, I mean, I've, I've led, for the longest time in Phoenix, we'd had a thing called Social Media Club. It's very popular in a lot of different, a lot of different cities. Um, and I went for a, about six months, and I noticed that new people couldn't get their questions asked because the room was full of the usual suspects, and we were all, you know, eight layers higher than that. Mm-hmm. And new people were terribly intimidated to ask basic one hundred and one questions. Right, so I started doing something called. Social Media 101, which happened an hour before the real meeting, I opened up the room early and physically barred normal people from coming in. If you knew, if I knew you, you were not allowed in the room. As simple as that. I only let the new people in and it was wide open. So it's not like I have an aberration for dumb questions that you should just Google it yourself, which is a good idea. Um, it's, it's not that. It's not the noobs. I, I don't mind newbies at all. That's not it. It's just sometimes we just rehash the same shit over and over again. Like, I don't really care whether fast zombies or slow zombies <laughs> would win because it's not going to happen. Let's just stop pretending, shall we? Because zombies don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love reading zombies. I just finished a zombie book. They're awesome. It's one of my favorite genres to read. But seriously, shotgun or uh, shovel? I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but when you, you're you're um, on sacred ground sometimes when you touch some of these topics of Star Wars, <laughs> Star Trek, zombies. Yeah. Like, and I and I pissed them all off. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, entertainment th- value. You have to remind. I mean, you, we all have to be reminded. You know, like Superman versus Batman. You're like, ah, oh, come on. And then I, you know, even I catch myself doing it. I'm like, wait, dude, wait. It's like it's a comic book. It it doesn't have to be real. His his right. his, his suit can be over the top because you know what? There is no Batman. Like, there's no flying guy. And right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they. You know, maybe one day one wins and the other day one the other one wins, and that makes for great comic book reading. And and that's what they're trying to put on the screen. And it just. You have to. We forget sometimes because they're making them so freaking lifelike yeah. now. So you're like, wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Christopher yeah, it Christopher does. Nolan's like reinventing like the genre. Like when he pulled out Dark Knight, I was like, man, this is like serious drama here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like I like Dark Knight much better than I like the uh, the other ones personally. But you know, again, it, that's it's all personal preference, and we like what we like, and so we go on. We don't necessarily have to have to fight about it. But feel free to go to a science fiction convention and fight about it because uh, it's a lot of fun. Nerd fight. 
<laughs> nerd fight. But so you you obviously have this aspect of your personality that's you know outspoken. But what you just described there is this, I don't know, the soft spot or this place that where you realize we all had to start somewhere. We were all oh, yeah. noobs at some point, and uh, maybe it's uh, you thinking back to when you were that, and you know you didn't know the stuff that you knew now, and you came into you 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 met people that either helped you at that point or blew you off, and and I, I yeah. think that might have molded you. Is that what happened? Yeah. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I typically, I assume there's nothing I really can't do, you know, unless there's some physical limitation, right? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to run a one minute mile, just not going to happen. So I, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it, as a child, you know, there wasn't anything I couldn't learn and couldn't figure out, right? And I can just figure out what it takes. I, I know I'm not a developer. I know that if I wanted to be one, I probably could, but I'm not. I'm your proverbial jack of all trades. And I like to know a little bit, just enough to be dangerous in lots of different domains. And once I know enough, fine. And I'll go on and, and do various things. That's just kind of who I am. But yeah, I am happy to share my knowledge with other people. Oh, and by the way, not expect compensation for mm. that because I don't the, – the only time I got compensation for telling people what I already knew was when I wrote Podcasting for Dummies. And that's fine. It's a perfectly legitimate vehicle to learn what you want to know. But you know, people still ask me questions today about stuff, and my answer typically is not go buy the book. I've told that to some people when they ask me they don't want to do any research whatsoever and just can you just tell me how to do that. And then I tell them you can either buy the book or you can give me 250 bucks an hour and I will consult for you. Yeah. Right? But that, that doesn't happen all that often uh, as in never. So yeah, but I love to share what I know. If you've got a question, hey, why did you do this? What's, what's the best way? You know, what's the right format? What's the right you – know, why, why joint stereo over stereo? I can wax poetically about that forever and we can, we can have that conversation. But yeah, that's just me. I, I like to help people. People help me. People who blow me off. Probably I don't help all that much anymore, and it, it certainly has happened. It's just who I am. I, I was looking through some of your uh, older comments. I, I came across your your blog post, your blog that ended, I think, sometime. When was, it, when was the last post? Two thousand eleven, something like that. I think you had the, oh. per, the personal blog. <laughs> so I was like curiously looking through some of the old stuff, and you actually mentioned something about that. Um, I think it was in oh seven. You talked about the concept of pruning your friends. Yeah. <laughs> is that something that you still do on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I do. You know, because, you know, we, we've taken the word friends to mean different things today. You know, I'm, I have a lot of Facebook friends that aren't people that I'm actually friends with in real life. And that's okay. You don't, you don't, we don't have to be right. Um, I, for the longest time in social media, I mean, I've gone through how I deal with social media uh, ups and downs. You know, I, I did the silly automatically follow everybody back thing, which is dumb. I learned the hard way. Do not do that. Um, but I also, on a, on a periodic basis, go through and realize I don't either I don't have the right people in here that I want to follow anymore, I don't have enough people, or sometimes I've just got the wrong people that are inside of a, of a social network, and sometimes just a social context. I mean, I've, I have been in this game for 11 years now, and people aren't the same person they were 11 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 11 years ago, right? I mean, it's just, it's just we have, we, we change we, yeah. over time and, and we drift apart and it's natural and it's okay. Friends come and go. So why should I stay friends with everybody all the way in every single medium, right? Sometimes they're doing, sometimes they focus on things I don't care about anymore. And I don't feel bad about, you know, 
unsubscribing from them or re- unfollowing them. It doesn't mean I'm blocking them out of my life, although in some cases I have blocked people out of my life, and that's okay too. It's fine. You know, you know, it's people we're allowed to explore and do the things we want to do, and those where it resonates, it resonates, and we're not just stop. It's no big deal. Yeah, I think people tend to feel they, this need to hold on and keep every single friend they've ever had in their period of life because you know they, they don't they feel bad about cutting them off and you can outgrow like styles you can outgrow like you know clothing styles hairstyles you know friends why like why can't you outgrow friends and and that doesn't mean you care about them any less but like they don't fit in your life at this point in time or they're not supporting you or they're not you know they don't make you better you know so i think i i think it's a fascinating concept that and and i think most people are afraid to do it and i think if more people if people did it more often i think they would find themselves like when you i think when they say when you prune a rose it's because you want it to grow a, a, a right. better bud or something like that and that's the concept and think about all the things you would open up if you're in your life if you apply that more often and i'm sure you've seen it happen in your own life you know that that's the reality right there you know you, you prune a rose for the benefit of the rose and i think you prune your connections people for the benefit of you right i mean that's that's a re- so so you can actually you're really pruning yourself at that particular time look we only get about 80 or so revolutions around the big bright spot in the sky so we really need to to maximize the time to give us what it is we're happy for and you just we're we have wetware stuck inside of here that it can only handle so much stuff right and we it's impossible to hold on to all of it forgetting is an important part of your memory. If you, if you didn't forget, you wouldn't be able to remember things. You know, you wouldn't be able to have all this stuff. Forgetting is, is uniquely important to us growing as, as a species. And I don't see why you shouldn't do the exact same thing for, for the people as well. You know, just move on. It's your next stage in your life. You've got you to do what you got to do. You, you didn't have any choice when you came into the world. Everything after that, Almost was a choice. Yeah. So, uh, as my, I, one of my one of my friends, a great philosopher named Mark Cott, told me uh, years ago, friend, he says, "You're born, you get to do some stuff, and then you gotta go." That's the life. Then I said, so you fig- you figure out what the stuff is. You know, yeah. I'm 47 years old, and the stuff I'm doing right now is exactly the stuff I want to do. Never been happier. And I know not everybody is in a situation to say that, and I wish that they would be. Um, I don't know how it, with the world if everybody can. You know, some people don't really want that, and that's perfectly fine. But it, it works really well for me. Well, I think you've put yourself in that position as a result. I and mean, you talk about being in here and being in the game of what you're doing now 11 years and all the connections and friendships you've developed along the way but mm-hmm. where you are now is a culmination of i think all that that's led up to this moment you know where you're traveling the world and you've got a podcast with your wife and and you're having a fantastic time from the sound of it <laughs> and and you know it's if you look back it's it's every, every, every all those little threads that you put out there and those connections you made and it's sort of like some of them were maybe seeds you planted that you didn't think you had no thought about what it would ha- what would it would lead to and then 5 years yeah. later it's like that one connection you made to that one person and you talked about even just random new Facebook friends that you guys are making along the way mm-hmm. that are helping you find places to stay and and connections yeah. that that's it's amazing yeah, that you know. Let me let me just talk about that for a second for the people that don't know the story. So we we you know we again we left. I don't know if we said it again. Uh, January 2015, my wife and I decided to sell everything, leave, travel the world. Yay, go! Uh, without much of a plan, we were certainly without a giant bankroll to do it. You know, we we sold a car, 
so we could afford to take uh, to start the journey and travel around the world and find out if we could make it work or not. Yeah, so I'm I'm two days from before I'm going to Belgium where I've got a. Uh, a hotel reservation. I tried to stay as not stay in hotels as often as possible on this trip. Two days before we leave for Belgium, leaving Copenhagen, Denmark to go to Belgium, um, I connect with a guy on Facebook who says he's in uh, Brussels and he wants to have coffee with somebody to talk about starting a podcast on entrepreneurship. You know, my favorite topic. But I'm an entrepreneur. I know about podcasting. I'm going to be in Belgium. So I emailed this guy back. Never heard of him before. His name is Sidar Ak. Never heard of him. I said, uh, I'd love to sit down with you. I'm going to be in your town in a couple of days, and here's my resume. And he writes back, and he says, cancel your hotel. You're staying with me for four days. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I go to France. I'm sorry. I go to I go to England a couple of months later, and I've got a week period between some house sitting assignments. So house sitting would stay for free. Uh, I have a week, and I got to get a hotel, and it's up. And, and I know, and I'm telling people where I'm at in Northern England. And I get an email from a guy who I was on his podcast about three months earlier, and he said, "You're not staying in a hotel. You're staying with me." I had a break in my schedule. I didn't know how I was going to fill it, and I was in England, and I had like a month that I had nothing to do. And an author of mine on patiobooks.com, who I'd known for the last five years, she says, uh, I have a flat in Spain that we only use like one week a year. I'm going to send you the keys via the <laughs> English postal system. It's yours. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, these things can happen, and it's all because, well, Again, I know I'm abrasive. I know I certainly can come off as an ass, you know, but I'm a genuine at least one at that. So for the people that it works for, you know, if I can get this kind of stuff, just help people, man. Just be who you are. Don't worry about trying to kiss everybody's ass that's out there. And uh, and good things will come if you just put it out there. People say I'm really lucky, and I'm not. I don't gamble. I don't. I don't play the lottery. You know, because only because I'm too good at math. Uh, but I'm I'm lucky because I increase my luck surface area. I keep my eyes open for opportunities. I'm not trying to take advantage of people. But I I just know when something looks interesting to go dabble and and see if it actually works out. So if there's any reason I'm lucky, that's it. I don't I don't shut myself off to things. I just try and pay attention to what's happening out there and see. See what works. That's what I call increasing your luck surface area. I like that. that so, yeah, but uh, I think I think a trip like this has probably um, made you aware of how much more you appreciate those moments when they happen because there's there's so many unknowns when you're traveling and and so many things yeah. that you think you've prepared for and maybe you should have spent more time learning a bit more uh, French before you embarked on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's like any. <laughs> and then so, but. Um, synchronicity or whatever the word is that I'm, mm. I can't think of right now, but serendipity. just serendipity. Yes. Um, and you've, I think, you know, from just the episodes that I've, I've been listening to so far, you've, you've had moments like that where it's like yeah. just the right thing happens at just the right time. Um, and, and I think, uh, I, I personally, I think it's, it's, it's a result of living a good life and putting out good karma. Cause it's not like you're waiting for the payback next week. You know, like you said, sometimes <laughs> it's t 10 years away when it happens, but yeah, I, I think, um, do you feel like you've been the re the recipient of of some of that stuff being paid out down the line? 
You know, ab- absolutely. And, you know, you, you can call it karma if you want. You know, you can call it the secret if you want. You know, I don't know that it's any weird, magical force of the universe. In fact, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive that it's not, that's that way. But I, I do think it's a matter of, you know, if you lay enough seeds, eventually some of them will, will sprout and, and take around. And if you pay attention and you look at all of the various paths that are open to you, you can find that serendipity and not the zimblanity. By the way, that's the opposite of serendipity. Serendipity, in case you want a new word, then blanity, which is you know st- stuck into a path and you don't get anything that, that you don't see anything with the outside. It's take off the blinders and, and look around and you'll find it. That's why we called our show the Opportunistic Travelers because we went where opportunity took us. You know, when we left America, we had booked a trip to a, a place to stay in France, and that was it. After three weeks, we didn't have anything else. Before we left the country, we got a phone call and said, "Hey, we found a, got a house sitting assignment in Denmark." Awesome. We'll do that one. And then nothing else. And then it just slowly built up. And so we had house. I mean, I think I didn't do, I need to do the math exactly, but I, I believe the total number of days we stayed in a hotel that we had to pay for in 2015 was less than 30. Wow. I think less than 30 days traveling the world in 2015. It was either house sitting assignments, staying with those wonderful friends I just mentioned there, uh, or other friends that we'd already known for years who'd said, oh, like, you know, and and, uh, when we were in Australia for two months, we uh, did a house sit assignment for three weeks and the rest of the time was staying with friends. We didn't stay a single night in a hotel in Australia, which is awesome because Australia is fucking expensive. God (laughs) almighty. So, yeah, this is it. I mean, if you just are out there and you make a lot of connections, it requires connections. You can't do this by sitting in a box. Or I don't yeah. see how you can do this by sitting inside of a box, right? I reach out to everybody. I'll, heck, I'll take a conversation, a phone call, an email with just about anybody. And assuming that I don't find them to be a complete and total jerk immediately, I'll probably stay connected with them. Um, and, yeah, you can just you, – you, you make connections along the way and then use – I hate to use it that way, but I'm going to say the word you, you use those connections, but in a mutually beneficial way and yeah. everybody's happy. We're social creatures. Damn it. Be social. Yeah, we, we do some, we love traveling ourselves. We haven't gone out on a limb as, as far as you have, but my wife and I, uh, we do Airbnbs. So, you know, we, yeah. we, we get a taste for the local city, the local neighborhoods. And, you know, a lot of times that the, the owners there hand us over the keys, you, um, you know, gives us some tips and, and it's just, a, just so much nicer than staying in a sterile hotel. And uh, you just get a better experience, a better uh, a, a, a better taste of what the neighborhood is like. Because some of these yeah. Airbnbs are just outside of the, you know, off the beaten path, if you will. And you know, some it's hit or miss. And I'm sure you know you yeah. you may find that at times as well. But <laughs> it just makes the it, it makes the trip a lot more interesting and a lot more fun. Yeah, you, t- you you put some things at risk. Okay, maybe you're not going to be right next door to the train station, or maybe you're not going to be within in an easy access of the airport and stuff like that. But it has almost always turned out to be beneficial when you say, I'm going to give up those conveniences to have access to that person who knows something. Cause there's, here's the other thing. There's cool stuff right around the corner. Yeah. Doesn't matter where you're at. You know, when we, we went to Par- to France, we spent a whopping four hours in Paris, but we had a great time in Fr- France. So really big country. Yeah. Don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> really, really large country. Same. There's more to it. You know, you can't see everything. So wherever you happen to be, find the cool stuff near you. Find the cool people that are near you. Here's another tip. You know, everybody says find the locals, and I and I and I have no, no problem with the locals, but find the transplants. Mm. Find the people who 
who didn't grow up there. Find the people who moved there a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, who have now adopted that place as their home. And they are way better than locals because locals, you, you kind of forget about it. You know, you, you live in Sedona, yeah. Arizona enough and you say, yeah, those big red rocks, I don't even see them anymore. Right. Um, but you know, people who have been transplanted there, who've chosen that area or it was chosen for them, they have a different perspective. So they've got that local understanding, but also from an outside point of view, they're wonderful. They have by far been our best guides is somebody who showed up there years ago and had to learn it all on their own. Those are great people to know. So, um, what talk about your your mindset before? You know, I don't know how many months this was in in, in the planning with you and Sheila, and you know, the, when was the moment where you felt like, okay, this chapter of our lives here in the states is done; it's come to an end, and we need to, you know, there must have been a lot of conversations back and forth because it's a, it's a big move, and and that's probably why you ended up with the dot WTF as your <laughs> domain. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Talk, talk about the just that those conversations and what that was like as you're leading up to that decision. Sure. So there, there's you know like like many things, but people tend to think it's a, it's a gradual accumul- uh, accumulation of stuff. But really, it was some, some things piled up, and then it's like a big break point. So let me tell you what I mean by that. So we have a son who's now just he's he's 24 years old right now, and we had been telling him since he was born, you have until you're 18, then you have to get the hell out. Because Sheila and I both left home uh, right after high school and went on to college and, 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 and didn't look back. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. But no, we were just, you know, we went off and did our own thing. And we wanted the same thing for our son. We thought that that was a great life experience for us, and so we wanted that with ours. But it didn't work out quite that way. I mean, he didn't go away to college. He stayed in Arizona where we were. Um, so after 18 years of being in Arizona and a, a kid finally got on his own two feet, we had been trying to figure out what it's going to take for us to get out. Of Arizona, not that we didn't love it, but you know, again, that chapter of our life we want to want to bring to a close. We wanted to go see other other things. Um, so it was in October. What's up with October in me? Um, yeah, October it's, it's of twenty. My birthday. So. Oh, it's your birthday. Our, our son's birthday as well. As a matter of fact. So um, yeah, it, it was in October, I believe, that um, uh, my lovely wife Sheila, who's here traveling with me. Um, she received a medical diagnosis of something that is called, and I love saying this, aspirin exacerbated respiratory disease, A-E-R-D. It's nothing that's going to kill her. It's the kind of thing that you stick with forever, you know, um, but um, she, she had had respiratory problems. She has asthma and some other issues, and so she went to see a doctor to, to get a schedule to get some, uh, some other, another procedure done, and the doctor put the dots together and said, oh, you have this thing, which is called Sampter's Triad, or by its new name, AERD. Um, when are you leaving Arizona? Uh, we said, what do you mean? He said, this place is literally killing you. Wow. You need a high, humid environment, and all of your problems with aired, even if we fix them all through other ways, unless you walk around with a goldfish bowl with 90% humidity on your face the entire time, they're always going to come back. You need to leave Arizona, period, end of story. And today would be too late, quickly now. Wow. I mean, it was, it was, it was just like that. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit exaggerating, but he made it very clear that the longer we stayed, the worse her health was going to get. So... We were planning on moving, so we knew we were moving, and it was either going to be San Diego or it was going to be Austin, Texas. I had friends and connections in both those and job offers in both those. I, I'm a digital strategist. She's a prof- college professor and educator, so we had plenty of opportunities to go there. Um, 
so about a week before we were going to tell the people that, that I was working with, my, my partners in business, we were going to leave, Sheila gets – I come home one day and she's reading something on the computer. She said, take a look at this, spins her computer around and I read it and it's a story about these, this couple that are in their late 50s. They have been traveling the world for 10, 12 years now. And they do it on about $20,000 a month through this thing called house sitting, where you go stay in somebody else's house, take care of their cats and dogs while they're away for weeks or sometimes months on end. And they travel the world on, on, on a whopping $20,000 a month income. And I said, that's it. <laughs> Why don't we just do this? Your car, she had a, a, a one-year-old um, Mini Cooper S mm. Sport said, your car is probably worth $20,000. Sell the damn car and let's leave. And she said, okay. Wow. And it was almost that quickly. So within days, we had decided to make the plunge. I told my partners. We started selling everything off. And it just the, the month of November and December was just you know two months to get it all done. Everything had to be done. And, uh, and we, were, we were on the road on January 16th. So yeah, like crazy. And you haven't looked back since. No, no, we've we've looked in other directions a lot. You know, we look forward, whatever else. Uh, like I said, we're we're bringing our son out here in a month because we haven't seen him in in you know since we left. So he's coming to visit us at the end of February. Uh, he will be here with us because we thought, well, we got to go back home and see the kid. Wait a minute, that's two of us, two airplane tickets, and all this kind of stuff. How about we bring him here? <laughs> you know what's great about that, Evo, is that you are demonstrating to him like this. Joy that joy, if I can use a French mm-hmm. phrase, joy de vivre, <laughs> like uh, you know the how to live life, and you know yeah. think about the memories he's going to have of you, of saying you know man, my parents are crazy, you know they did this, and they, there's aspects of that that gets you know programmed into him and into showing him what's possible, going for it, you know doing what it is you love and following your passion. That it's just those are just you could tell him to do that, but why? How much better it is it to show him by by leading by example to say this is how you live life and this is how you you know don't think twice about doing the things that make you happy and ha- of course having him come out there is just like the final piece of like the left life lesson so he can see what what it is you're doing. So I think that's amazing. We're either doing that or we are giving him a great example of what not to do and why he should be more responsible and pick a solid career. One of the two. It's either one of those things is going to be great. Great lesson for him one way or another. Cautionary tale parents or cool parents doing shit that I want to do too. I don't know. We'll yeah. find out. It's, uh, I did, uh, Sheila did make a reference to uh, her feeling better. I think you, it was one of the – it was in France where you, you read the, um, the sign wrong about oh. House by the River or something like that. <laughs> But she said, you know, I, I do feel better, actually, like the her, she said something, referenced something about her breathing or something like that, or, or that she felt uh, actually better as a result of that. So even though you were going down the wrong path, it was it was a reminder that the climate was already making her feel good. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. There have, I have, I've tried to kill her many times on this trip. So uh, that's, a, that's not a good thing. But yeah, exactly. She, she was better right away. As long as we keep her away from down, you know, duck feathers. Yeah. We learned she's allergic to duck feathers. As it turns out, you don't encounter a lot of duck feathers when you live in Phoenix, Arizona. Not a lot of people with big, heavy, puffy coats on around there. So yeah, you learn things along the way. I just can't wait for, you know, I mean, again, I'm 47. So at some point in time, all of this is going to start failing on me. So we'll find out what I have to do well, about it. I just think, uh, you know, it's these people that want to live like the super healthiest, 
eat everything perfect life and, you know, try to live to like they're 110 or 20. And then there's people that say, you know what, we're only on this planet to what you alluded to earlier, a short period of time. Let's go find some yeah. amazing beer because you guys love beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you've, you're lucky enough to find a, a life partner that seems to love, love beer as much as you do. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it works very well. Yeah. I'm counting on science to figure out how to make me immortal eventually, but I'm not going to eat a whole bunch of, you know, ch change my habits to on the maybe chance that I'll get a squeeze 20 years on the other right. Because those last 20 years, those are the shitty years anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> These are the good years now. I might as well live it up now. <laughs> so the, of course, with everything else that's on your resume, now you're, you know, Sheila mentioned she didn't want to have a typical travel blog where you're like, hey, go, right. we went here, we went here. And I yeah. think what's fascinating about, you know, as I listened to, I, I made a joke about it in, in our pre-talk about how your episodes are like, and I still don't know if it's Pringles or Lay's, but you can't have just one. So they're just short enough where you're like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because it's almost like mini cliffhangers, like ah, tune in next week when we ride a, a, a police truck in Thailand. And you're like, well, why yeah. did that happen? And then so it's, it's just great. And it's very, it's casual enough. It's not like super published, you know, even though it, it does sound good and you've got the, the music beds in there, but it's still enough, enough DIY where you feel like, you know, you're, you're there with you guys and we're, we're along for the ride and it's just an, enough, you know, as I get caught up, it'll, to, to, to maintain what's happening with you, it'll be so easy. It's like, what's the weekly update? You know, I just, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm, I, I want to know. And I'm, I'm probably going to sign up for a postcard too, by the way. So. <laughs> All right. On. That's, that'd be great. We appreciate that. I got a pack. I go buy some today. So yeah, you know, our, we didn't, we didn't have much in mind with our podcast other than we wanted to, to share the story of our travels. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, th when we started doing this, uh, Gimlet Media was going hard and heavy and those, you know, they, they make some great, great shows over there at Gimlet. And I, and I wanted to, I wanted to dabble in that. I'd never done that style of it, lots of editing, you know, taking different bits and pieces, putting together. So I wanted to find out, you know, do I have the chops to do that? Number one. Yeah. But you know, those guys spend 40 to 80 hours a week on their show because they've got a staff. Uh, I've got me and I don't want to work that hard. That's why I went on sabbatical in 2015, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't really want to work all that much. So I, you know, for those early episodes, um, kind of in the middle there, I was putting, you know, from seven to 15 hours in each five to 10 minute long episode, which is, which is crazy. Right. And, and I wasn't putting in nearly enough to really get things done. We were still kind of half-assing quite a lot of things, but still the idea was to try and tell a story and we've, and we've changed our storytelling process along the way because I, I all podcasts should change. When you first start out, it's going to, I promise you, show one compared to show 80 should be, unless you're a pro at broadcasting, you know what you're doing, should be very, very different. If you're not, you're not growing as a person. Mm. So I found a way to make it shorter and shorter um, and, and, and still for us to get enjoyment and still for people to get you know, enjoyment out of listening to us on, on a regular basis. But it's still evolving. You know, right now we're calling what we're doing season two. Um, we might do another four or five episodes like this and then change it up again, a slight modification or maybe a big modification. Don't know. Because you know, now we're not bouncing around as much now that we're full-timing it in Bangkok. The stories that are, are obviously going to change. Bangkok's huge. It's the size, it's the population of Manhattan in an area the size of New Jersey or something stupid like that, right? So we've got a really, <laughs> really big area to actually cover here. Um, so by by, by de definition, things are going to change for us. But I want to keep what you mentioned. You know, I want some people to feel like they're traveling along with us, or they're having a 
as much of the experience as I can distill into a, a weekly show to say, holy cow, you won't believe what happened to us this week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's, you, it's interesting to that that motivation to keep changing your show because you had a, a regular intro and then at some point the formal announcer came in and it's like, welcome. Yeah. And it's, it was really, it added a bit of, you know, class in the beginning. And then someone said, Hey, cut that outro out. It's too long. You're repeating yourself or something. You're like, okay, I yeah. heard you. And then you yeah. cut it out. So, you know, you just respond and you get feedback from your listeners and you, it's iterative. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You know, I've, I've um, I get a feedback. Uh, I don't say I get a lot of feedback because our, our show is, I mean, it's most, most of our listeners know us anyhow, and they're talking to us via, via other channels. But you know, the, the two pieces of feedback that I do remember right on um, is, so when the pro announcer came on, that's my friend named Patrick McLean. He's, he's a fantastic author. Check out his stuff too. Great voice. I love Patrick's voice. Not bad for a leprechaun. He's about that big. No, I'm kidding. Um, don't listen to this, Patrick. Um, so I, that's when I started using the music of the baseline, do 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 do, and it sounds great in yeah. these earbuds. And a a friend of mine named uh, named Paul Fisher emailed me and he said, "Dude, I listen in my car, and the bass is so heavy on that, you're blowing me out." And so I grabbed the iPad, uh, the the iPhone, went out to the car that I had rented in the UK and played the speakers and said, "Holy shit, he's not. Yeah, they, it is. It's terrible." So I went in and dumped the bass line in a big way, and I did that one. So that was great. Thanks, Paul. Uh, and then the new music we've got right now, which is kind of this weird ska riff coming up from a Kevin McLeod who who, pod, who powers most podcasts, I think, intro music. Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Um, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Um, but I had it way hot, super, super hot. As I was trying to get to the magic, you know, minus 16 LUFS and all the new technical shit we got to deal with as podcasters. And um, a guy named Mark Gunn, who does the Celtic Music podcast, I've known him for the beginning of time. Um, he wrote and said, dude, you were literally giving me a headache. Literally. <laughs> when your show comes on, I have to dive for the knob and crank it down. And I thought, what is I know it's not Celtic music. Come on, you pansy. What's going on? So then I did the, the listening test across all this stuff. I went, oh, yeah, I just got this thing cranked up. It's, it's, I'm not overmodulating, but I'm at the edge of overmodulating. So mm-hmm. I did one episode where I just let – I use Hindenburg Pro yeah. as my mastering tool. Oh, my God. Oh, it's the most thing. And, and I, was, I, was, I was bumping it up because it didn't sound loud enough in my headphones. So one, I said, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just I'm just gonna let, let let Hindenburg set the volume of things. All I will do is lower the I will never ever ever raise volume. Um, and I did it, and it was like, oh, that's that's perfect. Why? Mm. why what the hell? What am I doing wrong? Right? Why was I doing this? Trying to outthink a computer? Yeah. Terrible idea. Don't try and beat an algorithm, people. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot so, yeah. of good things about Hindenburg. Oh, so it, I mean, it saves me two to three hours a week nice. on a show. So uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's three hundred fifty bucks. It's not bad. But the nice thing about the Hindenburg Journalist Pro that I have, I think it's a Journalist Pro. Anyhow, you have thirty day free trial, which is fully functional, completely. So I did I did four episodes on it. You know, because the first episode, giant learning curve. You know, pulling hair. That's why I used to have long hair, and then I lost it all from that that one episode. Um, the second week was better. Third week was great. Fourth week was oh yeah, there's six hours of my life back. And this is when I was still doing the really really complicated show. So yeah, I said that that's worth three fifty. You know, that'll pay for itself in a couple of months just on my time, my my sanity alone. So uh, yeah, it's it's a really great little tool. Um. Yeah, what's interesting is uh, you had that one episode where you know you talked about expenses, and and there was this one seemingly like pivotal episode where you were saying you and Sheila were talking about the fact like what are we doing? Like why are we doing yeah. this? Are we going to keep doing this? Are we're you know we're running out of money? And I mean, as a podcaster, like 
I, I like that stuff. And, and it really just shows like the humanity behind the microphone of people and why I do this show. And, and those moments, you know, for me is like, uh, I resonate more with hosts that do that. And I, and I think more people need to do that. So I, you know, I, I applaud you guys for being honest and, 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 yeah. and upfront with that. And I think, um, it just helps us as listeners to relate to you that much, that much more. Yeah, I, I think so. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, you know, we, we have our, our quarterly existential life, uh, existential crisis, right? I mean, it, it kind of happens, you know, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? It's, it's, it's why we're in Bangkok is because we had, you know, three of those that led to this decision to kind of home base here and actually earn a steady paycheck, at least for Sheila, for a while, you know, as a good thing. But I, I think if, if the kind of show you're doing, if you're trying to do a personal connection show because i mean there's like i mean ours is, a, ours is a storytelling show ours is a travel show but at the end of the day it's it's kind of a couple cast i get it you know they've been done for a while chris and betsy smith from the Croncast were the pioneers i think in that model you know the don and drew are the real pioneers of that, of that particular model you know uh, there, there, there's a tons of a couple casts out there but you get to see what real life looks like through our eyes and we're not going to sugarcoat that and I know that a lot of a lot of shows, you know, that are more of the coaching, you know, shows, especially anything that has to do with life coaching, you know, they they hide all of the misery, um, which is part of why I don't like life coaches, you know, because they're not being real about it. You know, you're not you're not getting the reality. So you know, we're we're not selling anything here other than come have a good time with us. And even when we're not having a good time. We tend to find ways to make it kind of fun. You know, we don't we don't get on and we're not we're not doing depression casts. We're not doing that. Although <laughs> although they exist. They exist. You can actually lose entire networks of podcasts. People just talk about how shitty their life is. Hopefully we can find the humor in, in everything that happens to us. So even when it's bad, we, we try and make a I, I, my goal is to make Sheila laugh every day at least once. So, you know, yeah. even when she's having a bad, bad time or I'm having a bad time, I still have to do that. And, and if I don't, then I've screwed up a day and that's not going to go on the show. <laughs> I might talk about it, though. Uh, yeah, it makes for a good podcast episode. Have you heard about the show where the guy actually his, his intention is to put you to sleep? It's it's I forget, I'll, I'll send the link, but it's like a the put you to sleep cast or something. And he reads and he reads in a monotonous tone for like like an hour. He reads like instructions wow. to like to put, put together idea. stuff and and it's become popular and people like play it so they can fall asleep oh, <laughs> the intention is, the intention is not to get to the end of it because it, he just has this droning monotonous voice and they interviewed him for some show and i was like oh, that's genius like <laughs> that is that that is genius i've listened to many podcasts that that did unintentionally <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you can write so much stuff as a result of having done this trip, but I, I wonder if anyone's approached you about like, how do you, you know, 28 years of marriage on the road, like there's some nuggets of wisdom of like what to do and what not to do and yeah. to be, you know, just to, to stay together that long and, and just to do what you're doing. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I've got, uh, you know, note cards filled with different ideas for, for different books I needed to write. I mean, I've written, published six books, I think, already on my, on my own. So it, it, for right now, one of the things we're doing here in Bangkok is me figuring out which one of those I want to actually start on. Um, the, uh, the, the married for their, their 20 some odd years, you know, and then for 365 days living with the, that spouse, literally 24 seven, the only free time we get is when the other one goes into the bathroom. That's it. I mean, every single day we're yeah. with somebody. You know, that that's a 
that'll learn a lot about a person, even if that person you've been married to for 20 some odd years, you know, that's, that's a lot of things. So that could be it. Who knows, you know, life on the road, different, different ideas, different things we've seen. I don't, I don't exactly know what it's going to be, but yeah, this will definitely be jotted down in some, uh, some form that is a consumable for others later. Very cool. Uh, just a couple more questions. Uh, thanks by the way, this is really, really fun. You sure about I'm, that? <laughs> Thanks for taking this time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, I think uh, it's, it's just, uh, I'm just, I'm just honored to speak to people who've been doing it for such a long time. Just, you know, get your perspective on, on, on and on learning a, a lot, right? Not just about podcasting, but just, you know, I've only, I've been married 10 years. And so, and just anything where people have been there before, I sort of like honor the road that they've traveled. And I just right. automatically assume that they're going to have something that I can learn something from them. Um, and so that's why I'm, I really like, uh, appreciate moments like this. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. I, I, I think you can take away lessons from just about everything in life, whether those are cautionary tales or whether those are great ideas, you know, whichever. So I like to be both. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, this, as, this aspect of, um, feeling that there's nothing that you couldn't do. And I was yeah. curious, like who, who taught you that? Oh, my grandfather. Mm. Mm. No, no doubt about it. Who, who's who's still with us, at least in body. He's kind of crazy. Like, he's kind of nuts. But I love my grandfather to death. Yeah, he. When I look back on who was influential in my life, I mean, obviously, my, my I live with my mom. My, my parents split up when I was when I was three, and I lived with my mom most of the time. Um, and mom's awesome, very supportive. And as my friends always described her, uh, she said, "Yeah, your mom's you with tits." Yeah, kind of the same way. I mean, she taught me how to be her. But it's you know. My grandfather was was instrumental in, in basically saying you can do anything because he did. You know, he at sixteen ran off and joined the navy uh, at the very very tail end of World War II and was you know welding ships together in San Diego. You know, dangling off of ropes as a as a sixteen year old. He he had polio when he was a kid. He got hit by a car on the way to the circus. You know, he's got all these really crazy stories, most of which are probably fabricated. I get it. I get it. He also taught me that every good story deserves embellishment. So there's no doubt about that. A little bit. Uh, a little bit, yeah. But, you know, he, he got out of the Navy as a clerk. You know, he, didn't, he never saw action. He was like, you know, taking notes on a ship. And a few years later, he's uh, running – he works for the Corps of Engineers. He's in charge of most of the lakes in the, in Oklahoma where, where he is from. So, you know, he, he's in charge of this gigantic dam, you know, this thing that's larger than most cities. My grandfather, a guy who didn't graduate high school, you know, uh, who is now in charge of all this, a giant, huge machinery. That's the size of an apartment building that the open and lower the dam, you know, the, 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 the docks and that he knows all of this stuff. And so, yeah. And so he, he kind of taught me like, you can really do whatever the hell you want challenge everything don't believe what anybody else says unless you can find a way to go prove it and just get in there and do it boy and um and i did so thanks gramps that's awesome what uh i'm I'm, I'm imagining i'm gonna get an interesting answer to this one but what is the most misunderstood thing about you um that (laughs) so as as mentioned i have been I, i used to be rather uh even more abrasive than I am today. You know, when I, um, I, I come off 
pretty strong sometimes. Um, I, I inject myself into conversations early and often and, and try and make an impression. It's not something I'm really trying to do. It's just kind of, it's kind of who I am. But, you know, when people find out that, you know, I've, I've written a, 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 a for dummies book, but not, not that it takes any talent to write. That's not that hard to do. Anybody can write a book, you know, but, you know, you have to have a certain amount of patience to actually write stuff for, uh, you know, early people, you know, you, you, and, and, to, and to teach. I mean, I, I taught a, a couple of plenty of workshops and stuff, but I spent a semester uh, teaching a marketing class, which my wife was convinced I was going to just eat the children alive. Um, first, I want children. These are marketing. These are, this is college kids, right? Um, and, you know, I, that I've, and I've got more patience than I actually look like. I, I, know I, don't, I know I don't come off like I've got a lot of it. And, and certainly, you get me involved with forums. Um, I, I can become a little bit prickly inside of there, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really a nice guy. If you get to kind of know me, I'm not quite as much of an asshole as I as I might come off with when you put a microphone in front of my face. There's just something that happens when I get a mic. Uh, and I like to speak speak plainly, and sometimes yeah. speaking plainly and, and speaking honestly comes off as the you know just an asshole who only sees things his way or her way. And in, in my case, it's his way, obviously. But you know that's that's not the case. I can definitely see both sides of the of, of many arguments. I've just heard the other side, the, the wrong side, too many times. Um, and, you know, make make me a new argument and. Let's see. Maybe you can still sway my opinion because uh, that works too. What have you changed your mind about recently? Oh wow! What have I changed my mind about recently? Hmm. Well, how about how about a self discovery thing that that is that as well? Um, so I I love jokes. I love things that are, are funny. Um, I, uh, I, I, I think that I'm a funny person. You know, my, my job on all on the podcast I was always on was to be the one that brought the funny in, into the show. Um, but some of my humor, <clears throat> um, tends to be on the edge of inappropriate that, that, you know, well, beyond the inappropriate, let, let me just be specific. Some of the, some of the jokes that I like to recite, some of the things I like to say, <clears throat> some of the things I find humorous, um, turns out both racist and sexist and, and never saw that as a problem. Mm. Um, because in fact, I, I remember I was at a conference one time and I forget what I was saying, but the, the person who's a very good friend of mine, I won't name her on the show. She looked at me, she said, you get away with so much because you're Evo. And at the time, it was really, really funny. You know, everybody said, yeah, that's true. You can get away with this kind of stuff. But as I've grown older, I realized, you know what? I'm not helping the problem. Mm. I'm, I'm perpetuating it and, and, and saying, why is it okay for me you know, to, to, to say these things? Because, yes, I, I completely don't mean them. I just, I'm just doing it to get a laugh. But that's not helping. You know, that's so I've – in fact, in the last two days – last two days – last two days, um, I've called people to task, uh, friends of mine. One of them from making um, anti-Semitic comments that were very, very light and mild, and they were joking as well. Uh, and another one, less of a friend, more of an acquaintance uh, on on racist activities, right? Mm. Uh, and I've realized, you know, you, I, to fix it, um, I, I since I perpetuated a lot, you know, I've made I've made off-color jokes. Um, I might as well jump in and say, hey. That's not cool anymore, uh, and here's why. So that's uh, that's an interesting spot to be in. You know, it's, it takes a certain amount of self self uh, introspection to know. Yeah, I know I did it. I know it was wrong, and I can't apologize for those things. But I can at least show other people, like, hey, that's not cool anymore. Can we try to do other things that actually are funny and not just make funny jokes at somebody else's expense? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, because we we're not perfect 
people. We're not perfect mm-hmm. human beings. And, and I, I've, I can definitely relate to that. And I've, I like to think that I'm growing as a person and, you know, things, yeah. shit that I used to do that was wrong and my wife pointed <laughs> right. out and I didn't like it being pointed out. I'm like, how dare you point out something that is yeah. probably wrong, but I don't like it being called out on it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and never then, fun. And then then later, you know, in the, in, in the quiet of your own headspace, you're like, hmm, okay, I got to, I want to be a better person, you know, years from now or t- tomorrow than I was yesterday. So, you know, it's it's good that you can identify the things i think we all there's there's we all everyone that's listening has those things in us that we could do better and that we could uh you know incremental changes to become better human beings so exactly right exactly those words serve as inspiration to the to the listeners yeah so uh so thanks again um sure had a blast. <laughs> cool. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate Very it. Cool. I'm, I'm so excited for what you and Sheila are doing. Um, and I'll be, I'll be keeping tabs and I don't know if you're going to get back to the state soon, but, uh, hopefully if, if a conference lines itself up, uh, I'd, l- I'd love to grab a, grab a beer with you. Cause I know yeah. you appreciate that. <laughs> sure. Sure. We can definitely do that. Hey, and I think what you should do is you should make an alternate uh, arrangement of these shows where you just stack them up like in uh, a regular chronology. So put the oldest podcaster at the top, you know, put, do, do a little series called, you know, ancient podcasting masters or something. I don't care what you call it. Right. But you have to order it like in a timeline of who's the oldest one on there. Yeah. So as long as you don't get, you know, people, like uh, Dave Slusher on you know, Dave Dave Slusher is a guy that shows up at conferences where I'm at in the room I go damn it there's a guy in here doing this longer than I am you know Dan Class those kind of guys and I'll be alright so <laughs> I did I did start categorizing the episodes um, and so like women podcasters and then I had um, uh it's a category. I think uh, meta a podcast about podcasters, and then I had something about like old school. Like, and I have Rob Greenley and and yeah. you know Elsie and I'll have Danny Pena in there, and I have you in there, and I just because I want that like a, to be its own thing. Like these sure. are OGs, man. Like pay them some some podcasting respect, please. Still at it. Still at it. So <laughs> right on. So uh, what's the best place for folks to track you down? Oh, that's a great question. The good news is my name is Evo Terra, so Google is always the best place to track me down. I'm the only one, right? So everything you see on there is either about me or uh, Mitsubishi car, <laughs> occasionally pet food, whatever. But I typed it in there. Um, but yeah, uh, Shivo.wtf uh, is the easy one to remember. Uh, I just love the fact that WTF is a top-level domain and, and had to buy that one. That's where you can get to whatever the most current thing of us here in Bangkok uh, happen to be. And of course, I'm all over the Twitters and the Facebooks and stuff, and I've been periscoping like mad. I'm deeply getting in with periscoping now because it's a great way to show people mm-hmm. what my world of new life in Bangkok actually looks like. And so, in fact, uh, when I get off with you, I'm going to have to go down and, and do a scope because i got to go pick some stuff up. So I'll, I'll periscope along the way and get people a live picture picture from here in Bangkok. Kind of cool. I'll make sure I have that uh, queued up and I can, <laughs> right on. And, the, and the conversation continues, uh, not offline, but just in a separate channel. Yeah, exactly. So, wishing you all the best. Stay healthy. Uh, have a pint on, on me and uh, hope to catch up soon. Thanks again for, for being generous with your time. You are quite welcome. Uh, let me know when it goes live. Cheers. Yes. And we're back. And I hope you found that as entertaining as I did when I was having that conversation, you, you can automatically understand uh, how real off the cuff um, Evo is. And he just speaks his mind, so which is fantastic. I love pe- having people on that do that because too many people start to think about the politically correct thing to say, and that's not Evo. And I imagine that hasn't been Evo for a long time. Um, and it's part of the reason why he's continuing to 
push the envelope on, on what defines a, a life experience and, and, and why they pack up everything, him and Sheila, and, and decide to, to travel around the world and, and ha- where that journey is taking him. And I love the fact that the episodes are so short that you can sort of follow along uh, for the ride with him and Sheila and just get a, a day-to-day glimpse of what life is like there. And, and so if you're currently in the States and you've never traveled that's even better, you know, how much more exotic than to just hear uh, Evo. And you can see him on Periscope, too. He's active on Periscope, I think, daily. I ca- I've caught him on a couple since then. Um, it's something that gives you just uh, another peek into what life is like in a culture that's not your own. And I think that's a very important thing to do. It's very important to have that perspective. And it's something we should definitely not lose sight of. So uh, thanks goes out to the... Uh, music for this show which is always provided by cedar and soil you can check it out check them out check him out at cedarsoil.com um and we're also part of the podcastica network but you can go to podcastica.com we've got a formal announcement of our latest podcast uh coming up soon from uh, jason but uh, in the meantime you may see him promoting the show and by him i mean morgan Dix from the One Mind Meditation Podcast. And so you should check that out as well because it's part of our growing family. And it's a nice mix of podcasts that we're building there. His latest episode is How to Nurture a Mindful Relay Today. And it was fantastic. And I think it's there's something in there that's relevant for everyone. So definitely uh, check it out. If you're a fan of the show of opportunistic travelers, then if you listened all the way to the from the beginning, like I did, then you'll realize that there's a hilarious episode where they were picking their domain name. And so uh, it's shivo.wt. So the hashtag, retention hashtag for today is uh, shivo.wtf, hashtag shivo, S-H-E-V-O-W-T-F. And uh, it's just a, a nod towards the craziness that's that's Evo and Sheila in, in picking their domain name, which is fantastic. I love it. You can subscribe to our show at podcastjunkies.com and look at the sidebar. All the different ways to, to make sure you get the show on a regular basis. There's been some amazing episodes lately. And if you're falling behind, then it might be because you're not subscribing. So do that, please. Subscribe in iTunes or Android or Stitcher or Spreaker or wherever else you you download and listen to your episodes. If you're listening to something that's different than what I just uh, listed there, let me know. I'm curious what people are using for their podcasting tool. And um, then just tell friends. You know, Tell friends, tell friends. I, ke- I keep repeating myself, but I think it's important. And uh, rate and review the show. That, um, but that's always, that's always good, and that's always a sign that folks are digging it. So I alluded at the beginning of the episode to a special for uh, listeners of the show. And it's going to be five free tasks on fancy hands. So what we're going to do is have a contest. So starting with the release of this episode, which (laughs) coincidentally, I knew I was going to get it out, is going to be available on the 29th, which is uh, the end of the month, beginning of uh, March is Tuesday. So let's just call it uh, for the month of March, we 
we'll keep tracking people who who leave a rating and review. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep uh, track of a rating and review, and we're going to randomly pick uh, someone who's listed one and give them that coupon for five free tasks on FancyHands.com. So make sure when you... So I can keep the people who are actually leaving a review as a result of hearing this separate from people who normally leave reviews in the comments or in the notes where you write the description of your review in iTunes or Stitcher, uh, just put uh, hashtag fancy hands. And then that way I'll know that you, you, you heard it here first and that you're eligible for the drawing. So if it's one person, then that'll be pretty easy. That person will get it. If it's 10, then you have a one in 10 shot. So do the math as you will. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. Feedback as always on any of the platforms. And uh, I'll go through some of the iTunes reviews uh, next week. <laughs>